Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore LDS scripture and doctrine for the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Like most of you, I'm a typical Latter-day Saint, and I've held a variety of callings, from gospel doctrine teacher to institute. I've always loved learning and sharing the scriptures of Christ. Recently, I went back to school, and I'm currently a theology student where I get to learn context, history, ancient languages, and more importantly, how to learn. I thought you might want to share in what I was learning, and the 20-minute scriptorian was born. While I am a believer, these thoughts are my own, and they are not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and join me on the journey as we explore the scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. Welcome back. This is Lori, a 20-minute scriptorian, and we are headed into Come Follow Me in the end of January. And First Nephi chapter 11, we're going to learn about the Lamb of God. First of all, I wanted to give a big thanks to everyone who's joined us. We have had a, a huge outpouring of, of a growth, and I love that we're all so excited about the scriptures. So I wanted to call out some of the countries where we've seen people come from because it's been uh, really cool to see the growth of uh, the gospel, but obviously even the little podcast that we're doing. So USA, Colombia, Ireland, Australia, South Africa, Philippines, Guatemala, France, Brazil, Taiwan, Switzerland, Spain, India, UK, United Arab Emirates, uh, New Zealand, Mexico, China, and Canada have all come on board in the last few weeks. So thanks, everybody. It is super appreciated, and I love that we can all share the gospel together. All right, so we are headed into the all about section, which you recall is a little bit of overview and context. Now, since the, we're doing the whole book of Nephi, um, it's hard to give so much context. So as we kind of go into each chunk, I want to take a step back and look at some of the um, overarching ideas and concepts and themes, and we're going to do that next. So first, let's take a step back and really look at what's happening and what's happened so far that's going to help us understand First, if you look at 1 Nephi 11, originally in the original text, the, it doesn't actually start 11.1. There's no break there. It, and, and I think the very last verse of chapter 10 helps us get kind of an overview of this flow that you're going to see. Um, again, I think we tend to get to these verses and, and say, oh, he's pondering his heart and we should ponder in our hearts. Those are all very true things. Um, but I want to make sure we're saying Nephi is telling us a story and he wants us to pick up some of these big concepts and themes. And they are going to go through not only first and second Nephi, but you're going to see through the whole Book of Mormon. And so we want to make sure we see, I, we see those. At least I think they're super helpful. So first Nephi 10.22 goes like this. It's super short, but it says, and then I'm going to read chapter 1 of 11. So let's do the two verses together. And the Holy Ghost giveth authority that I should speak these things and deny them not, for it came to pass after I had desired to know the things that my father had seen and believing that the Lord was able to make them known to me, as I sat pondering in my heart, I was caught away in the spirit of the Lord, yea, into an exceedingly high mountain, which I never before had seen and upon which I had never before set my foot. So the, the break, I think, kind of uh, makes it a little more challenging to see the text, but when you see that 1022 introduces what comes next. So you see this, uh, evidence of the authority that the Holy Ghost is giving authority that I should give, say these things. I, I'm supposed to say them 
and and so I've been given authority to tell you what I've seen and then here's what we've seen so um, you're going to see again also that Nephi is going to give the same ideas that he's going to explain right now so just pay attention you're going to see it at the very end of his life at the end of second Nephi the last five chapters 25 through 30 you're going to see some of these same themes that we're going to learn about in the the tree of life and the Lamb of God, you're going to see that here, and you're going to see it at the end. So kind of think of it as a bookends. Um, in theology world, we call it an inclusio, like an inclusion. It's that same, it's Latin, but it it literally means, um, or the, the concept that it means is, is bookends. So you might use a phrase or um, a, a, a verse or an idea at the beginning and the end, and that those bookends are going to kind of incorporate something in the middle and also give emphasis as the beginning and the end. So you see it a lot in ancient scripture, and here it is. He's going to give us this inclusio here about the tree of life and a framework about the symbols of these these themes about Christ here. And then he's go through his whole life. He's going to use Isaiah, which you know, and then he's going to bookend it again at the very end. Okay, so... What does he see? So what are these things that he's going to, what's his point? So I think in these next, this next chapter specifically, uh, 11, this just, man, get your highlighter out, but it's going to report that he is, while Nephi is looking at the vision, his father's vision, his framework, if you think of it like a box, Nephi, Lehi's vision is kind of the inside of the box, and Nephi's vision is even broader. And so it's not just the allegory. So we did that in, you know, chapter eight. Um, in, and you watched the video probably and you said, okay, the, the tree is this and the, the uh, straight and narrow path is that and the fruit is X, Y, Z and really powerful stuff. So he's going to not only do that, but now he's going to take the framework and he's going to go wider, much wider. So instead of sim- just the symbolism, as powerful as that is, he's going to again explore these themes. And so the rest of the books of Nephi are going to explain names, themes um, that are going to be discussed. So I want you to say, what are these themes? So what are these things? Because this is what he's going to point out again. So let's jump in. First, he said, I sat pondering in my heart. Uh, we love that, right? I ha- you have to sit, you have to ponder, you have to ask, you have to be ready, powerful. Um, then it talked about him caught away in an exceedingly high mountain. Now, remember, Lehi, there, there are great charts on this, by the way. You can Google them. BYU has a great one, uh, the, the similarities and differences between the two dreams. So I'm not going to outline every one of them. That is a great study if you want to compare and contrast what one saw and the additions and changes that each one saw. I don't think that we know that he asked specifically to understand the meaning of his dream, and he sees other things as well. So, so we're we won't compare and contrast everything but there is so much there but here's one of the first ones nephi is caught away into an exceedingly high mountain and he said i've never been there i'd never set foot there i was somewhere special now lehi there's no mountain that we recall right he's in a uh he's hiking along in the darkness and then he uh, sees it's it's a waste uh, a wilderness of kinds and then he he sees the the great feet, you know, the field, the spacious field. So he doesn't, you're like, wait, I, that, that should jump out at you. So, but we know this one, you've heard this hundred times, uh, if you've heard it once, but this, this mountain, this is a very symbolic concept and it would have been 
uh, for for a Hebrew, for an Israelite, this would have just rung a lot of bells. And that is, it is very special of um, where the heavens and the earths meet, right? A, a temple location. Eden is on a mountain. Um, Moses goes up on the mountain. Um, and so these mountaintops, and it, you can almost visualize it, right? The heavens are high and the earth is low. And so if the mountains are tall, that is where heaven and earth meet. So it's a symbol. We still build temples on hillsides now, uh, the same idea. And they draw our, our gaze upwards and God comes down and meets us there. So a, a symbol, a symbol of that. And so in this very obvious way, he's going to say, I was caught up into a mountain, um, and ring all kinds of bells. Wow. So the same frame framework, but they are the same concepts that you're going to see from the tree. So the tree is a place, right? It's a symbol of God, the garden of Eden, uh, the temple, um, all of those things where heaven and earth meet, uh, temple, garden, mountaintop. And so while it starts differently than Lehi's, that symbol, that, um, a Hebrew worldview of mountains and trees and gardens, they're the same place, right? So for us, well, it's a mountain, it's totally different. But to him, it's like, no, no, I am underlining it. It's the same place. This is where I'm going to meet God. So the first thing we're going to remember is this is where heaven and earth meet. Okay, so we're going to, this. that's important. Okay, so they understood that. Again, Mount Sinai, lots of examples um, of that. Uh, one other note that I think is really cool and you'll start to see these patterns as well. But in ancient scripture, you'll see kind of two areas of sacred or holy. It's sacred space. So, you know, the tabernacle, the temple, the garden, the mountain, uh, very similar places, right? But there's a sacred space. So um, like we talk about the tabernacle, right? There's the outer court and the inner court and the holy of holy, holy place, holy of holies. Um, Solomon's temple, same thing. Herod's temple, same thing. Uh, the, we talked about it last week, I think, where, you know, there's a, there's a land called Eden and it's a garden in the middle of the garden, right in the dead center of the garden is the tree. And so these kind of sacred spaces and they get more holy, the inner that you go, right? And so, uh, the camp of Israel is set up the same way. And so Nephi has entered into this sacred space. The second place that you'll see a lot is sacred time, sacred time, meaning like holy days. So you'll see, especially when um, Israel loses its uh, sacred place, it loses the temple, it gets way more interested in sacred time because that's all they have. But so the, the concept of the Sabbath, there's a sacred day, there's a time, and then there are sacred festivals. And those festivals, you know, there's seven of them, there's seven big ones, three, three really big ones, but there are sacred times and seasons and you, you worship in sacred times. In fact, just another aside, the, um, the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Qumran community writes a couple of the letters back to the uh, Jerusalem community and they're just scathing about how you guys are following the wrong calendar. Um, you have, you know, corrupted sacred time. You're, you're celebrating this on a lunar calendar and it should be a solar calendar and vice versa or whatever. And, and so we have lost some of that, except there are some remnants. Easter. Have you ever wondered why Easter's never the same day of the month? It's because it follows the count, uh, the time. It follows the lunar calendar, the times of the month. And so, uh, with the moon. And so it's still following those old rituals of sacred time. And so my favorite's the Sabbath, right? There's a time 
Um, and, and you'll see these over and over time and space. And so when Nephi is carried up into the, temp, uh, into the temple, into the mountain, um, it's sacred space. And remember Moses, take off your sandals, you're in holy ground. So same idea. So just brings back so much of this um, concept for us. And what's great here for us is that this allegory, this story, has a lot of application for us. We still have sacred time and sacred space. Time specifically, we still have a temple. We still have our homes, which are holy. We have um, a very, very similar lifestyle in a lot of ways. So you can reflect this and go, cool, cool. So anyway, I thought that was super cool. Um, So he begins his vision, Nephi begins his vision of what his father had already seen. And so, you know, the vision was triggering Nephi's desire to understand not just see it but he was trying to understand it there's so much to understand and it's so you it's you're going to see this understanding around these same symbols that lehi is going to use now remember lehi's was very symbolic and he said the you know the iron rod was the word of god and the fruit was the love of god and 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 so even though there's this structure you're going to see that the vision nephi's vision is way more than just let's just explain the symbols it's not a list a checklist nephi's going to see a vision of the future of the world, his future, right? The f- his future, um, our past, but his future, including the birth of, th- of the Savior, uh, his uh, future history, the Gentiles, the uh, history of the church and his own people. And that's what's going to go through the rest of this 11 through 14 today. So it's going to be his whole vision, which you think, wow, he wanted to know what it meant. And, and I don't know that that immediately connected for me, right? You're so as you start kind of thinking of the big picture again, and remember, he's going to do this inclusio. He's going to say, these are the themes for all of Nephi. And then within 11 through 14, he's he's saying, I'm going to understand Lehi's dream, but I'm going to see all these future events. Um, why? How is How are those future events going to explain the tree? Okay, that that is exactly what you should be asking, right? Okay, so cool. We won't be able to get to all of it today, but I, that is what 11 is setting up. Okay, the spirit says to him, behold, what desirest thou? I love that. What do you, what do you want? What are you hoping for? A very echo of Lehi. And then he says, I desire to behold the things my father saw. So um, a lot of times I, I think we see this as Lehi's vision and this this uh, tree of life was Lehi's vision and now Nephi's seeing the same one. But remember, Lehi had seen many visions. We, we did two in chapter one of first Nephi. Then there's another vision. You got to go get the plates. And then he's seen another vision. But none of those things did Nephi say, well, I hope to see those. Even when he's sent back to get the brass plates, he doesn't say, well, remember he said, I've seen a vision and you got to go get the brass plates. You know, I, I want to see it. He just says, I will go and I will do. Why does, why does Nephi, something about this vision, sparked something in Nephi and it's I have no idea what it was it's conjecture maybe he's learning to to experience the Lord uh, something about the story something about the love of his brothers right and the fear for them um, something he's he's maturing I'm not sure what it is but why is this vision one that he wants to see why didn't he want to see any of the others I mean they left their entire home you you'd think well, I'm not sure about this right why was this one I don't know the answer, but I think there's something intriguing, something about this. So, so that is awesome. Um, 
I don't think it's the, I just wanted to know the symbolism, right? I think, I think that meaning was already explained. I, I think there's something else there that we already, it's going to be the ultimate meaning of the gospel. And so he was like, wow, this gospel is so much bigger. But I think there's something in there. I just didn't want to understand something else that Lee had seen. But this about the Messiah, this about the love of God rang true for him. And boy, that rings true for me too. So when he says, I want to see that, the Spirit says to him, Believest thou that thy father saw the tree of which he'd spoken? And I love Nephi's answer, yeah, you know that I believe all the words of my father. Right? Like, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Uh, one aside, there are different quotes of, sometimes is this the Spirit meaning the Spirit of Christ? Is this the Spirit of, is this the Holy Ghost? Is this guide figure? Who is this? And there's no definitive answer, by the way. You can find quotes kind of doing back and forth for both. So I'm not going to, I don't think that's the point. It's the Godhead anyway, so they're all representative of each other. So, But the Spirit is his guide of speaking as a person. Uh, but I love this. You know that I believe all the words. Um, you know that I do. I, it reminds me of the Peter and and Jesus. Um, Peter, at, after his resurrection, lovest thou me? Uh, or uh, right, right around the time of the crucifixion. Uh, Peter, lovest thou me? You know that I love thee, Lord. Feed my sheep, right? know it loves me you know I do right it has that same feeling to me um after the resurrection when Jesus and Peter were talking but yay spirit you know that I believe all the words of my father and the spirit cried with a loud voice Hosanna to the Lord the most high God for he is God over all the earth yea even above all and blessed art thou Nephi because thou believest in the son of the most high God wherefore those shalt behold the things which thou hast desired so this is a super interesting chat I mean first it's like I want to know and then the first question is do you believe it yeah you know I do and and Nephi is is right the spirit knows what you know desires that he had so why is it important that he asked this question why is it important that the spirit asked Nephi that do you believe it um I'm not sure I wonder, there's a time sometimes when we're asked to say, to come up and say what we believe. Once a month, we have an opportunity to do so. Um, and I think it's to give that opportunity to vocalize, to testify of our beliefs. And so it solidifies something, right? When he says, yeah, you, he doesn't even say it. You know I do. And then um, Hosanna, a save, save us now, Lord, right? This praise, so cool. But um, also that... Something interesting, why Nephi is blessed is because he believes in the Son. So why does his belief in his father's uh, words equate to a, the same as the Son of God, right? And it's because I think this is the underline, this is the first theme. You're going to say, Lori, you told me about that inclusio, but you didn't tell me what the themes were. This is, this is the big one. Because Lehi was testifying about the atonement of the Messiah. And remember when we started in First Nephi... Um, he talked about Lehi and said that he testified of a lot of things, the destruction of Jerusalem, but he also said there was a Messiah that would come, and that made them particularly angry. And then here, there's an atoning Messiah that's going to come. And so there's this important theme about the atoning Savior. So the belief on Father, uh, on Father Lehi is the same as believing in the Savior. So that is the clarifying mission 
of the spirit here to explain the vision of Lehi is the mission of the son of God. So that is this most, most profound vision, this most profound message of the spirit of the tree of the vision of the book of Mormon is the mission of the savior. All right, scriptorians, that's it. Keep reading. We'll head, head back into verse seven next time. Thanks. Keep on reading, keep sharing, and love to keep sharing this with you. So exciting. Thanks for joining the journey.